Go to King. King will barge over. Will he get it down? Yes, he does. There's the premiership. Wilson runs to the line. He's got Buxton with him. It's been put on the toe. It's going to be to try. Joy Jobson's got the try. Window will get their second. You always think the lead cast. Newcastle Welcome back to League Castle. This is, of course, a special episode, part of our League Castle Legends series. Uh, our series focuses on uh, players and uh, people from the local competition who've made it on to bigger and better things. And uh, we've had a really good response to our initial episode, which featured uh, Wang Roos Jr., who's gone on to play for the Newcastle Knights, Hull Kingston Rovers, and, of course, represent Italy at two World Cups to date. Uh, Josh Mantellato, make sure to go back and check out our feeds. Uh, if you didn't catch that episode with Josh, it was a great story on how he made it all the way from the uh, the back streets of Gillaby all the way to representing Italy at the World Cup uh, and some stories along the way as well. This week, uh, our episode is again brought to you by our great partners, at Newey Threads, make sure to check out their social media. And, of course, uh, to keep up to date with all the episodes of League Castle, make sure you do like our Facebook page and subscribe to us on your choice of podcast platforms. We are available on all the major ones, uh, including Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and uh, the Android Podcast Store as well. So make sure to check those out. But uh, this week we are joined by... A Newcastle Knights 2001 Premiership winner. Uh, this player started out his career with uh, the uh, Macquarie Scorpions in the Senior Rugby League before moving into the Knights ranks. He then went north to play with the Mackay Cutters in the Queensland Cup, getting a handful of games with North Queensland before returning, playing for the Knights New South Wales Cup feeder side and then uh, Curry and Macquarie. Uh, with winning a second premiership for himself with the latter, the Macquarie Scorpions, and their first in a number of years. He is, of course, none other than former New South Wales country origin representative, Daniel Abraham. Abe, thanks for a little bit of your time. Uh, my pleasure, mate. Uh, mate, um, as, as we uh, alluded to in our introduction, mate, you've uh, played at a, a few different clubs along the time, but we might go way back in the beginning uh, you're a young fellow who was originally born over Belmont Way and you started your, your footy over that way. Talk, talk to us about, I guess, what your first recollections of footy are, um, you know, from wanting to play and who got you into playing, I guess, and, and where you started out. Well, I, I was born in Belmont, uh, Belmont Hospital, but I, I, I grew up around the Taralba, the west, west Lake, the west side of the lake. So um, the first footy club went clear as day was, or even three other bears. Uh, I must have been, I don't know, six year old. I was sitting at my grandparents' kitchen table, which just up the road from what's called Tolkable Park, which you know, used to be our home ground when I was a kid. And my uncle David was involved in the footy club, and he came in and said, oh, "Do you want to play footy?" And I was like, "Am I allowed to?" Kind of thing. And then, kind of from then on, I, I went down and played a year young, you know, the sevens, and yeah, kind of fell in love with the footy then. And, um, Kind of went from there. I, you know, I stayed at over Tarawa at the Bruegel Bears, as they were called, through till I was under 11. And then I switched over to Valentine. The Bruegel Bears kind of folded around that time. And then I went to Valentine, which I had some family and friends over there and kind of stayed there up until I eventually involved with the night system. So 
Yeah, so I guess, obviously, as you said, you know, it would have been an interesting time. Obviously, the, the club you started at no longer with us, but you moved over to Valentine. When when did you realise that, you know, you were, uh, you know, you could more than hold your own, I guess, against those other kids you were playing against? Well, I was kind of the man child growing up. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, um, through the sevens, eight, nine, ten, you know, I was that kid who used to score a lot of tries. I was bigger, faster. Um, it'd be nothing for me to score five or six tries in a game back then. So, you know, I kind of always, it's a lot easier to enjoy the game when things are going your way. Yep. But, um, we had some pretty good sides. I, you know, some of the boys back then, you know, um, you know there was a, a kind of a low um, income area over that way for some of them kids. Their you know, kind of getaway was to come to footy training. This was on the days they were allowed because plenty of times they were in trouble. But we also we had a pretty good side. We had a, you know, plenty of fun. But yeah, um, as I said, the kind of the club wasn't in great shape. And then when I went to Valentine, where I was. There's a whole other dimension there, you know, the support and how well run that club is. Um, you know, so I'm kind of opening my eyes up and some of the coaching there was fantastic. You know, some of my teammates on one side, um, with, with Valentine, were the likes of Brett Finch, Luke Bird, Clint Newton, Josh Perry. You know, one stage there, we were all on the same team, not to mention Jeez, some, other, some other players, so... You got to feel for the kids you're coming up against, mate. When you've got uh, you know half a dozen blokes that went under some pretty reasonable NRL careers there, all running around in the yeah. juniors. We didn't lose many games over there. No, uh, okay. it was a fairly, fairly good side, uh, fairly good club, you know. And still is now. My my 14 year old was having his you know, first first year of footy since he was seven, so he played soccer the last six years. And he's going to play his first year under 14 over Valentine this year, so. So it's kind of my way giving back to the club and you know, I was going to go over there and help out where I could. Yeah, well, hopefully the junior club. footy can get back on this year. Uh, I did see actually a post recently from Valentine. They're doing their, hoping to get their 50-year anniversary celebrations happening this year. So, as you say, they've been established for a long time there on the eastern side of the lake. Yeah, mate. Yeah, they've always been a great club. So, uh, you know, to go there and be involved. And I think it was, you know, it was probably a good decision now looking back to be involved, you know, with the likes of, you know, Robert Finch was involved, you know, Luke Burt's dad was there, Anthony Quinn's dad was getting around. Uh, you know, there were a lot of influential people back then, and you know, they must have done something right because not by chance of that number of players comes out of that era and goes on to play as much NRL as I think we all did. Uh, so, you know, in yes. hindsight, it was a good decision. A little bit of travel, and my granddad put a lot of time and effort into me. Uh, you know, he used to drive me over there three and four days a week between you know, the Valentine footy train and the Newcastle rep side. It's enough to be picked in, so you know, a lot of time and effort went into it back then. Yeah, it certainly, certainly is, and uh, you know the family that support the players that come through are quite often the unsung supporters. Uh, but uh, I guess for you then, as you said, you progressed on in, into some of the Knights' lower ranks, and you made, a, as I understand, you made a little bit of a, a senior. Uh, appearance at Macquarie initially before you made your, I guess, your, your crack onto the big time with the Knights um, and picked up a bit of an award in your, your first senior year there back in about 99? Yeah, I um, was kind of always there about um, in the Knights system for the Newcastle rep. Um, I was by no means a standout, but I was, you know, I, I don't know, they kind of was something about me that they liked um, back then. And, you know, I played the Harold Matt. I was fortunate enough um, to play the Harold Matt. When I was 15, 17, 19, 
and then the year later it changed and went 16, 18, 20. And then the year after that it changed back and went 15, 17, 19. So I, I never actually played a year up. Uh, so I played like, two years of hard maths and a year in SG Ball. It wasn't until I was, I was turning 18, I was 18, trying out for the under 19s Jersey Flex Club. Um, and they denied cut me. Um, they told me I wasn't fast enough to be an outside back and I wasn't aggressive enough to be a forward. So they pretty much sent me back to the local league and I kicked stands for a while because it's probably the first real setback I've had. Pretty, you know, it's kind of been um, cushioned along with the change of the ages and that. Uh, whatever else I never really had to fight for anything and then I uh, found myself in a position where I wanted it I was going to have to really knock it down and go after it so yeah like I said I kicked stones came up with this idea I was going to be a bull rider and that didn't last long um, and then eventually I had a conversation with a mate of mine I think that'd be dead and we're talking about footy and I was kind of I was messing it by this stage it was starting to take long yeah. uh, when I was going to go and play at West or somewhere like that you know a fairly established club and just play in the age group and Sort of just be done with it, and um, his advice was: Look, if you go to West, you'll play under 18s or under 20s, and that's all you do. If you go to a club like Toronto, um, you're a chance of playing in the great team. Uh, that'd be better for your footy, or so whatever else. And I took his advice and went out of Toronto, and um, Toronto were, yeah, they were a good side, but they weren't setting the world on fire by any means. They had uh, Ian Thompson, the uh, manly front rower, the killer. Played for Australia as well, Tom. He just signed on as coach, and um, I went out there and met him. And kind of from then on, I really I was in a I was kind of in a bit of a rut while I was thinking the game. Uh, I wasn't enjoying it. I lost interest. Like I said, when you had a match, especially all day, I was riding the bench all the time. I was playing a bit of footy here and there. And, you know, those times where I wasn't able to get on the field, and kind of lost interest. Um, when I got there, they just the confidence they had in me from the beginning was I wasn't used to it. Anyway, we played a trial match against. I played a first grade trial match against on the Central Coast side and scored a few tries. But then on, um, you know, like, like you said, I was fortunate enough. I won the Newcastle uh, Rugby League Rookie of the Year that season. Um, and I scored a few tries. I was like third league try scorer by one of the West West players. Uh, I think I scored 19, but then boys scored something like 30 each. So it was untouchable that year. And um, at the end of the, probably to give you some perspective as to where my head, my mindset was, then I, I just, for the first time in my career, was getting paid to play. And it wasn't a lot of money, don't worry. I think at the end of the season with the Scorps, they wrote me a check for $1,800. Um, some of the boys playing local league these days are getting out of game. But um, Warren Smiles, who was the, oh, I can't think what he was back then with the Knights, but he was involved, over the development officer. He um, he came and approached me at the Newcastle Rugby League presentation night and asked if I wanted to finish the reserve grade season off with the Knights because I had a few injuries and just that, whatever else. And, and my response to him was, how much do I get a game? Anyway, <laughs> it was like $300. And uh, now, looking back, I'd kick my own ass if I could. So I'd been given an opportunity to play one grade below NRL and I was worried about $300 game kind of thing. But anyway, I took the opportunity and yeah, I, I kind of got thrown in. I have a great bunch of guys, some of them still mates with me. Um, we had three games left and they needed me to play fullback. I'd never played fullback before. Um, I played most of that season in the local league in the centres with Macquarie. But anyway, um, I got the opportunity and I played well. I won the players player a couple of times in the three games. And um, yeah, Kind of, I, I think it was around then, that 99 season, that I really real, like, realised that, you know, what, I'm actually I'm okay at this. If I actually had a go and tried to um, uh, buckle down, I might be able to make a career out of it. That was probably where it all turned around then. You know, I think a lot of that I've got to, and Ian Thompson and the guys that I was involved with to thank for that. 
certainly did and it's interesting you talk of that because anyone that's uh you know watch you go around either you know for the nights or later on people that are familiar with you over the last you know sort of nine or ten years in, in the newcastle newcastle rugby league certainly uh would be somewhat surprised to hear that you're a center come fullback when you're making your way through the system there but yeah as you say 18 turning 19 and it was 2000 was a big year in your career in terms of uh taking that next step yeah well done. Probably 90 kilo. You know, I, I played the majority of my career anywhere between 102 and 105 once I was kind of matured, filled out in the back row. But yeah, in 2000, I was given a part time contract to train with the Knights, and I, I was uh, an apprentice electrician at the time. I um, was electrician and refrigeration mechanic at the time, and it got to the start of the pre season, early in the pre season, which was the end of 99 um, for the 2000 season. And I, you know, the battle to get to and from trainer was too much. I ended up training an apprenticeship, which I you know, thought I should have known as better, but I went plastering with my old man. He was a plasterer at the time, so I could work when I needed to, train when I needed to. You know, but I had to go to the doctors. Doing that kind of stuff, my hours were pretty flexible. And I could really concentrate on my football. I figured that I was going to go jump in both feet and see if I could make a career out of it. Um, you know, it was funny. There was plenty of times where I'd, I'd be just working with the old man and everybody who knows plastering knows it's going to be a horrible job. It's all lifting six metre sheets above our heads, smiling into the roof, and now man has been around. So if you need any motivation to train hard, he said, this is it. So if you don't start training hard and making a career out of football, this is what you wind up doing for the rest of your life. So yeah, he was always full of wisdom now, man. So, um, yeah, then I was, I think it was around eight or around nine in 2000. I got the opportunity to debut in NRL at fullback. Um, it was a little bit surreal at the time. Like it was only, like I said, six months ago, I was running around the local league of Toronto. And the next minute, I'm running out of the Marathon Stadium in Penrith, um, in front of a full crowd. And, yeah, just that year, like 2000, was you know, sort of an up and down year. I played, I think, all like games that year. So I played my first seven NRL games as a fullback. And it wasn't until 2001 I played maybe the first one or two as fullback, but so I was you know, 20 year old. The training and the gym and everything could become more serious and I was starting to put size on and grow and we started with getting slower. So agile and you know, the amount of miles that a fullback's got to cover. And so they sent me back to reserve grade, put me in the second row and come back later in the year after playing I, I grew up as a, as a junior I grew up playing in the second row so all my nights juniors in Newcastle Rugby League rep juniors was a second rower um, it wasn't until I went to Toronto in 99 that I shifted back out into the centres and once again because I was probably 85 curl playing against fairly big grown men so I was kind of the way it kept me out of harm's way so the transition back into the second row wasn't such a big deal because I, I spent so much time there as yeah. a junior yeah so yeah just just to, just to dash back a sec there, Abe's. Um, in terms of that debut in two thousand, do you recall sort of how how it came about? Who let you know that you'd made the team, and what, what was the sort of I guess wh- where were you in terms of headspace and those sorts of things when you found out? Like was, how high of a moment was that for you? Warren um, Ryan was coaching back then. Um, yeah, I, I can't really remember to be honest. I remember I remember it was a big deal for Steve Simpson because Simo was making his starting debut. He'd been coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Well, Quite some time, Simo, um, and I was making my NRL debut. And yeah, uh, quite honestly, I can't remember how it came about. It would have been a phone call or something. Warren Ryan, but Warren Ryan didn't say a lot. Um, yeah, and then I was trying to, I looked at it, you played first grade this week, and I can't think whether it was because 
the Origin Series was on, or what it was, yeah, an opportunity to pop up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember getting beat by Chris Hicks down the sideline. Uh, that's probably one of the memories that comes to mind of my debut. Almost scored a try, but yeah, that was kind of a bad event a long time ago now. Making me feel old. I was going to say, it wasn't, it wasn't quite, quite the ideal. Ago. Quite the ideal debut, but um, things got a little bit better with a few wins, as you said, once you started to find your feet. And then, as you say, 2001, you moved into that sort of back row role and, and started to be used off the bench uh, in the back half of the season. I guess something that a lot of people love to hear about, mate, you know, you went through, uh, you came came back into the team in the back end of the season, you know, round 24, and then you played a few games through to obviously second behind probably 97. The favourite memory for the uh, most of the local Knights fans certainly is that 2001 grand final and you were fortunate enough to be on the bench and, and be involved in that win over Parramatta. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was, yeah, that was unreal. Um, yeah, that stretch there, um, kind of from the, towards the back end of the season. And I was only fortunate that Ken Newton broke his shoulder blade. He, 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 he uh, broke his scapula, which ruled him out in contention. He was in that first grade spot, probably doing the job that I was uh, doing towards the end of the season. But he injured himself. And, uh, you know, a few things fell in my favour to be in that squad. And, um, you know, once I got the opportunity in that, uh, that semi-final series, you know, I, I it was pretty simple. My role was to come off the bench and you know, just you know, do my job and you, know, you have a look at that team sheet. I didn't have to do anything except I was asked and there was enough fans and that side to win any game of football if everybody held up their end of the bargain, you know. So it was, it was crazy. And I remember the bus trip out of the freeway down to the footy and then the bus trip home. You know, police escort all over the freeway. And you know, on the way down there, there was people lying on the roads the whole way down. Pretty much from the footy stadium out to the freeway, there was people on both sides of the roads cheering us on. Hopefully, be at the time was a Parramatta side. They were unbackable favourites. They were, you know, they, they were, um, they finished the season six or eight points clear at the top of the table. They were, they were almost unbeatable. But you know, when you got the likes of one of the dearest as Johns, Davis's, Gidley's, Kennedy, Simpson's in your side, um, you know, anything can happen on a day. And we just turned it on that day. That first half was one of the more dominant first half of the that you've probably seen in grand final. Unfortunately, you know, I was lucky enough to be there and be a part of it. So. Yeah, certainly yeah. it would have been a phenomenal experience as you touch on and, you know, seeing that, as you say, going into that grand final, not only to win a grand final, but to go in as almost unbackable underdogs, uh, the Newcastle side, uh, to come out and put that 24 points on to nil in the first half and then hold on as Parramatta with the class that they were surged back in that second half. Yeah, Parramatta, well, they always want to come back. Uh, you know, they're, they're too good a side uh, to not, you know what I mean? You have a look at they had, you know, they're any Brian Smith coach team is going to be a good side. Uh, he's, he's quite a good coach. But yeah, you know, I think once we got in front and once we realised what we could do, we're, we're never really going to lose. Um, it was just a matter of hanging on. And, uh, there was a lot of mateship. And, and then the following week was a bit of a blur, a bit of a party. So, you know, it was good times. And that, fond memories. I can imagine. Uh, off the back of that, obviously, you then rolled into 2002 and sort of started to become much more established as a regular first grader, chalked up uh, close on 50 games across the next couple of seasons and uh, also managed to grab yourself a couple of representative jerseys in 03 and 04 with uh, New South Wales Country. So how was it playing in? Obviously, it's no longer with us, the City Country fixture, but getting to take you know that next step into representative footy as well. Yeah, the next the 2000, 2001 season was funny. I was going in and out, I was in and out. Yeah, we won the grand final. It was a great experience, but I really had that ownership on what it takes to win a comp. Uh, playing in the grand final was great, but it, it really means something if you've uh, been there all year through the highs and lows, uh, ups and downs, and you know, battled through it. I really wanted to achieve that, and to achieve that, I really needed to be an integral part of the 
team. Uh, so, you know, every year you train, you get bigger, faster, stronger. That's the plan. And, um, 2000, uh, I played all, most of the games, I think, 2000, but a lot of them were coming. You know, we're wearing number 17. I, start, I spent a season where I started the majority of the games, but I was wearing a bench number because of true injury. Uh, ben Kenny would be out or someone would be out. I'd get thrown in the side. Uh, although I was there, I was, I was still working towards being a part of that, part of that start. 13, I think, every play the goal. And um, it wasn't until I spent a pre-season with Ben Kennedy. Uh, now, there's been some influential players in my career. BK was definitely one of them. Uh, I remember walking into a gym with him. We're training before, and I walked in. I was only a young fella. Like, this is, might have been the start of the 2000, 2003 pre season, maybe. Um, BK was in there training in the gym. Maybe being young and cocky, I said, Oh, yeah, I'll train with him. Uh, not knowing what I was getting myself into. Anyway, I jumped in and done the training with him in the gym. And I walked out of the gym shaking. I couldn't I could move my arm. And I uh, went and sat in the car for 10 minutes in the car park, waiting for me. I Season. I was fortunate enough in 2003 to probably have one of my better seasons. 2003 into 2004, uh, where I played City Country in 2003. Didn't have a great game, probably didn't appreciate it as much as I should have. And then um, in 2004, really kind of knuckled down. And, uh, there, was a, there was a position on the bench for the New South Wales side that I really wanted to put my hand up for. Um, it was a bit of a utility role, and I still had that part of the game where I could play in the centres if need be, or I could play you know, in the back row. Or, Anyway, you know, that was kind of where I was aiming for, but it all went pear-shaped you know, during that game where I you know, broke my ankle. And now looking back, that was probably the beginning of the end. You know, it was a slowly decline. It was just a, just a slow sort of downturn in my career. Probably from that point on, even though I didn't realise it, just like kind of finished up and looked back and some of the mistakes that I'd made and the change in the player that I became. And, you know, not just as a league player, but as a, as a club man and you know, the negative influence I was having on the club. And, and yeah, it was just a slow spiral out of control. It's um, up to annals good times. But, yeah, that, that sort of broken ankle in the city country really slowed me down, and then I recovered from that. Well, after a couple of operations and two screws, and then early in the 2005 season, I was tibia, tibia and fibula at home against the Warriors in round five, and yeah, that was when well, I took almost two years to get over. Yeah, you, uh, you you touch on the injuries there, and you did have you know a pretty horrific run, obviously, and, and it really probably impacted your, your ability to continue to keep yourself established in the night side and we sort of saw you in and out of the side over those next couple of years. You got back in a little bit in twenty seven, uh, 2007, sorry, but um, at the end of 2007, your, end, your time at the Knights came to an end and, and you headed north of the Cowboys. How did that all come about and what prompted the move to the Cowboys? Was there other sides that you were in talks with at that point? Or? No, I, was, I never really had a manager. I didn't like what they stood for. And I never really had any desire to play anywhere but Newcastle, so I didn't really need one. And how I played football because I enjoyed the game much as the money was. You know, the money was okay. I never earned the big money like some of these boys now earn, and I was nowhere near it. You know, folks are earning more coal mining than what I was earning back then. Um, two thousand. 2007, when Brian Smith came on the scene, I was coming back from my leg injury. I missed all of 2005, obviously. I, I, had, I had multiple multiple operations. They put plates and screws in, and they took the plates and screws out. Three or four bone grafts, and 
you know, in the end, they, they took all the plates and screws out and they put a titanium rod that runs down the middle of my tibia. They had to cut, had to cut a section of my fibula out, so my tibia could line. Yeah, it become really complicated. There's a few arthroscopes through my ankle and, yes, ongoing. I, I, I think all that was around 10 operations on my leg to get that right. And uh, we finally got that sorted. Um, 2007, I started the pre-season. I got through a whole pre-season for the first time in two years, two or three years. And I was really looking forward to the 2007 season. It was, um, like I said, it was the fittest I'd been, the strongest I'd been in ages. Most confident. I was running on my leg. I didn't have any uh, inhibitions around the collision and that a lot. A lot of that once you've had a substantial break or an injury you know, a lot of the psychological hurdles you've got to get over uh, as big if not bigger than the physical ones now I got to that stage and then early on in the season at the bottom of the titanium rod that I got in my leg there was a locking screw to hold in place at the bottom but my body had rejected that locking screw and it had come loose and it was starting to sort of wind its way out so I'd wake up in the morning and I'd find and by the afternoon the movement of my foot and the ligaments rubbing over the top of the screw just the pain would become too much and I, I couldn't run and I'd couldn't walk by the end of the day and then anyway I had to go in for a so the operation was to remove the screw and anyway they'd done an arthroscope as well and it took me 10 weeks to get over that operation so 10 weeks to like, return to play which wasn't ideal uh, my understanding it was only going to be a three or four week turnaround but 10 weeks later I got back and by this stage me and Brian Smith had, had a fallen out I'd missed most of the season and you know Things got pretty bitter between myself and the club. You know, they might have been around the same time when the Kirk Reynolds thing was going on, where they you know, they wouldn't play him for his last game, and you know, the club was in a pretty bad way, and you know, I wasn't helping the situation. And they made me an offer. Um, I was um, I was out in the middle of my Donald's Jones Stadium, as they call it now, but back down. I thought it sure. would have been Energy Australia Stadium, doing some kicking practice. And anyway, I, one of the club representatives came out and said, "Look, just want to let you know the contract's on the table. The co- we've offered you a contract, but." I don't see you as a first grader at this club. You'll be used sparingly if we need you, but you'll spend the rest of your time in reserve grade, if that, whatever else. And I was like, well, okay, well, thanks. I'll keep that in mind. Anyway, yeah, just the arguments with Brian Smith went on and on. Anyway, I was kind of knew I wasn't welcome at the club, so I'm not going to move on. Um, I've actually signed a, signed a letter of intent to go over to the London Broncos um, and play in the English Super League. But at the time, so that would have been for the 2008 season, at the time, I, uh, you had to have played 70% of your last two NRL seasons or your last two footy seasons at NRL level to qualify for a visa to play in the Super League. Well, because of my injuries, and I'd come back playing reserve grade just to try and build some confident game time, uh, the percentage coming at about 70, 67%, so I missed out on one or two games. Anyway, so that, that fell over. But in the process of that falling over, I was in the process of getting ready to move there. So I was looking to sell out on a business I was involved in and sell, sell a car and all this sort of stuff. Anyway, sort of, it all fell over. So an opportunity popped up to go to, well, I was going to move to Mackay and just work in the mines and that sort of thing. And I moved up there and that was the first year of the Mackay Cutters in the Queensland Cup. And Shane Musprat and Jamie McDonald were involved in the club and they heard that I was going to Mackay. And anyway, they got in contact with me and, 2008, I played up there, but early on, midway through the season, I got a call up to the Cowboys and played half a dozen games up there, and uh, you know, they kind of fell through with, you know, at that stage, what was that, 2008, I was 27-year-old, I had a wife here, uh, wife and his, which is my eldest son, had a mortgage in Newcastle, I was paying rent in Mackay, and the Cowboys wanted me to play in Townsville, but they wanted me to relocate there on match payments, and I just said, look, i got a job in Mackay that will pay me every week, regardless if I get hurt, kind of thing, so for me to come up here and play on a contract, 
amount of financial responsibility I had would be something as simple as a torn hamstring and you miss four weeks of football. It would have sent me on the back foot far too much. So that fell over and I'd, I'd spent the next spent 2008. I finished 2008 in Mackay and then 2009. Um, so the wife at the time separated. By the end of 2009, I'd moved back to Newcastle. I joined up with Curry in the local league. Yep. Yeah, so as you say, obviously it was time to come home and you came back. I think uh, a little bit of time, uh, obviously, at Curry, as you said, uh, over the next few years, you, you tallied up quite a few games there and, and made a couple of cameos as well uh, with uh, what was the Central Coast Centurions and then uh, also the the Knights New South Wales Cup uh, was uh, a bit of big news at the time when you got a late call up. I think it was Rip Taylor for the qualifying final. Yeah, well, I've been. I come back to um, I come back to Newcastle 2009 to join up um, Curry, but I've done a fair bit of training with the intent of uh, rejoining the Knights system and that. But you know, I, I committed to Curry. They'd help me relocate and done everything. So I told the Knights that you know if I couldn't make it you know, by round four with you guys, I'd go back to Curry because that's where you know I'd initially committed. You know, when I come back to Newcastle, and that's kind of what happened there. And then a few seasons there, and then. I can't remember how it came about. We got a phone call off Rick saying that we've got through the qualification um, process. If you played so many games in first grade, you can't come back and play semi-finals in reserve grade or whatever it was. And so the, the nice reserve grade, Rick Taylor and his staff were forced to pull some players up out of local league. Unfortunately, he gave me a call and I said, oh, you're going to play a couple of Sundays in the New South Wales Cup. You know, we got beat you know, in the game before the grand final. You know, but yeah, it was a bit of fun. You know, it, was, it was quite an eye-opener. You know, that next level going up the New South Wales Cup I do things. But yeah, I hung out at Curry there until 2016, I left there. Yep, and uh, while you were there, obviously, like uh, Curry's had a, obviously a fairly dry spell over the recent years, but you guys did uh, in 2013 uh, take Curry to the grand final. You, you fell short in, in the big dance, but that was a pretty big uh, moment, I guess, for Curry, a team that had been nearly 20 years without a, a to his cup grand final appearance. Yeah, that was that was that, was, that would have been the fairy tale finish for that season. We we had to beat Maitland by more than twenty points in the last game of the season to qualify for the semi. But we'd been working, you know, myself and Justin Royal and George McDeer and Todd Polglace, Regan Tanner and you know, Big Camp Al Bumper and all them boys that are up in that area. Uh, Mitchie Cullen was there about. You know, we've been working for a few years to try and get that side uh, through to the grand final you know, to get that opportunity. And it was a fairy tale run through the semis. We just kept beating everybody. And, uh, but, you know, Barney Miller had that west side fairly well primed for us to come grand final day. And they were just too good. Number one sports ground on the day. And, you know, we kind of ran out of steam. And you know, they were a well built side. I think that might have been Barney's. Was that their third grand final, second or third? One three in a row. Yeah, certainly they, you know, he had them on a, on a red hot tilt at that period. Yeah. They'd, they'd run through, as you say, uh, they won 2020, uh, 2012, 2013, and 2014. Yeah, so they were a, uh, did an absolutely clinical job under, under Barney. And not long after that, mate, uh, you, you headed down the, uh, down the expressway and the freeway as it would be now and uh, found yourself at the Scorps uh, where it all, all began. Yeah, it was kind of, you know, things, things go, I think, that stale for me. Um, you know, I think a change for any player in a club for the right reason um, is a good move. You know, you've got to re-establish yourself. You know, you spend enough time at one club so you can get a little bit complacent. And I, you know, that had happened to me. Um, I think, Curry, I needed a change. Adam Batteries rang me there one day and said, look, I'm going to take the job on at Toronto for a couple of years. I want you to come out as an assistant coach and, and a player. And I want to get yourself a few local boys back in the at the club, and I'd known Bertridge. Funnily enough, Bertridge's old man, Steve, was my Newcastle rep coach when I was under, oh, probably 
13, 14, 15 even. The veterans used to come to train and run around training with us. So I'd known veterans for years. And we went out a coffee in town and sat down and come up with a plan of attack that we wanted to do. And anyway, I made the move down to Toronto. And yeah, it took us 2016. I broke my arm in a trial match. And then I come back 12 weeks later and first tackling me first game back, I broke it again in the same spot. So obviously I've come back too early. But 2016 was actually a year I spent a lot of time just coaching and you know, probably you know, more thinking about the game than actually you know, doing the game. And I quite enjoyed it. You know, we fell short that year. We went through had a pretty good year. We minor premiers that year. We got beat by um, a fairly fairly resilient south side from grand final day and some pretty horrible conditions. South just turned up and you know, they played the perfect game for the conditions at hand and we come up second. And it was a bit, of a bit of a blow for the boys, but um, you know, fortunately, you know, it's funny, 2017 we won the Colts. I didn't play first grade in 2017 for the schools until about round eight. I um, had an injury in another injury in a trial match. I caught the cork in the front of my side. And it turned into a hematoma. It looked like at one stage I was almost going to have surgery to get calcification taken out of the catalyst of the muscle. But I, I sort of dodged that bullet. And playing reserve grade, I snapped into my thumb. Uh, it's just an ongoing run of injuries. But um, round eight, I was playing reserve grade at the school. And you know, I, I definitely didn't sick of playing reserve grade, but I, I kind of figured you know, I, I just need to sit down and bide my time and just keep working on my game and get my game right. An opportunity to pop up. And fortunately for myself, but really unfortunate for Blake Gallon, he is. He um, had a, a fairly um, horrible fracture to his leg, to his tibia. That, that game where he broke his leg, the last game, played coming to play. Um, I was speaking to him the other day, actually, I bumped into him at Kmart. So it was, it was really sad to see you know, such an influential player like Gal go the other way he did. He definitely didn't deserve it. Um, for him to miss out on the 2017 you know, grand final win, you know, that was a bit of blow because if anyone deserved to win a comp with the... Um, Toronto Scorps, it was definitely Blake Allen. And, um, you know, when I got that opportunity, midway through the season, I had to move into the into lock. So I'd gone from playing second row into the lock and you know, got a new appreciation of the work that Dow used to do because all of a sudden my tackles doubled, my hit-ups doubled, and our body struggled to keep up with it. But, um, yeah, then, you know, we were fortunate enough to go through and you know, beat that West team in 2017 in the premiership in the local league. Yeah, and it was, uh, I know it was talked about in the, in the press at the time, mate, um... Yeah, 1999 to 2017, there was talk that that might have been a note for you to go out on, but never say never, and you came back for 2018 and then 2019 again. Yeah. Uh, what, what's kept you going for those those continued years, mate? Uh, now represents, you know, 21 seasons of senior footy. I, I, um, I, like I, I was done by that. Going into the 2017 grand final, I was carrying injuries. You know, I'd been playing lock, a workload. For the last two months of footy, you know, had lost and it, it, you know, it trembled from being a back runner. So the transition was taking its toll on my body. There was, you know, there was there was two or three weeks in a row where I was making I'd made forty something plus tackles and fifteen hit ups you know, in a in a game. And you know, at this stage, you know, in two thousand seventeen, I was thirty six year old. You know, I was too old to be doing that anyway. But um, so going into the grand final, I was carrying injuries. I was, you know, I wasn't doing a lot of training. I was just getting through the games, and you know, I, I kind of thought, you know, this is a, this is you know, this will do. I'll, I'll finish on this. But I was doing some uh, strength conditioning study when the preseason started, and the S and C coach at Toronto, uh, James Drys, is a good mate of mine, and he was helping me with the, um, the strength and conditioning certificate that I was I was looking to achieve. I had to go out there and just do some supervised coaching hours with Drys as part of the requirement. I lasted two training sessions, and I messaged Bedford and I said, mate, I'm 
can't think I'm done. We're halfway through the first training session. I was running laps with the boys. So I thought, <laughs> I, I, I'm missing this too much. Had said to me, he said, look, mate, you just, you just do what you need to do. You know, if you want to play, play. If you don't, don't. There's no pressure, but you're more than welcome. So anyway, so yeah, 2018, 2019, I, I kind of just hung on. And, you know, I had some injuries. I play a lot of footy. But, you know, it, it's, it's kind of one of the sports where you can't, you, know, you can't have the 2017 victories without the risk of the, you know, the 2016 season on the sideline or, you know, the injuries. You, know, you can't have the highs without the risk of the lows. So, but, you know, yeah. 2018, 2019 season, I, I still enjoyed it. You know, I learned a lot you know, as far as you know, probably the, the transition. The next transition for me was to go into coaching. So I coached the Newcastle uh, Knights under 16s, Andrew Jones Cup side this year. And um, in the last few years of footy, I learned a lot. And as you get older and a little bit more mature, take things in a little bit more. And you know, some of the experience that I've had, that I've had over my footy career, you know, I've found it helped. Even this year, just with the coaching, you know, some of the conversations I've had with some of these young 16 year olds. And, you know, it's funny, I'd see a few of them that reminded me of myself. And I only realised now how much of a pain in the ass I would have been as a um, teenager to coach. But, you know, you know, there's always something in rugby league you can learn. And yeah, certainly. I can, I can see where you come from there and I guess t- 2019 does that represent the complete end of Daniel Abraham's playing days yeah I always said always said I'll give it up when I can't do it anymore I'll give it up when I can't play anymore you know, I mean, why would I give something up that I enjoy you know, I sit on the lounge there's enough people that sit on the hill drinking cans um, without me sitting up there getting fat and joining them you know what I mean so why not do it as long as you can yeah. you know, what, what's the worst if you go wrong the injury or I've had enough. I'm more than qualified to get over an injury these days. And every year, probably from 35 onwards, every year I'd sit down with Neil Halpin and he and I are really good mates. I'd go and see Neil and I'd have to sit, I'd have to Neil, what do you think? I'm thinking about playing again this year. And he's like, look, Daniel, as a friend, I'd tell you, if I didn't think you're up to it, I'd be the first person I'd call and tell. But I think you're fine. Go ahead and enjoy your footy. Anyway, and then Towards the end of 2019, I sat down with Merrill and I had a couple of injuries. That, you know, there weren't injuries I ever used to get. You know, it wasn't, um, you know, a lot of my injuries were never, never ligaments or muscles or anything like that. So I was breaking, broken arm, broken leg, broken ribs. So I never actually tore a muscle. Anyway, he he said, look, you know, you're getting injuries that you don't use to and you're taking longer to recover than you normally would. He said, I think it's probably time that you give it up before you get like a really significant one where you don't do an anterior cruciate or you, know, you can't rupture an Achilles tendon or something that's going to take you out of action for six months and really put you on the back foot. So finally, I got the advice I was after, I think, for the last three years. I was probably more relieved to hear him say it because I could actually just sit back and go, right, I'm done. But then, you know, by that stage, I was really looking forward to some coaching, actually. And yeah, I, I got that job with the... the the Knights Development Squad, the 16s, and I really enjoyed it. And, uh, that was going to be kind of this year up until the COVID-19 sort of took its toll. I was I was going to be Betridge's assistant coach with the Jersey Fleet Squad. And I was going to do my blue shirt and run the messages for him. I was, I was really looking forward to 2020 as a you know, as an assistant coach and being around the footy still, but in a different capacity. You know, it's, it's really um, reignited me as I for the game and to learn and learn how to teach parts of the game and pass on some knowledge that I've got. Yeah, try and help some of them young blokes go through and, and make the most of the career that they can. Yeah, excellent, mate. It's obviously a good opportunity for you to pass on some of that, that wisdom and, you know, I guess maybe some of those lessons that you learnt, you know, as you said, you know, when you got that opportunity all the way back in 1999 to go and play for the Knights Reserve Grade and the first question you asked was how much do you get and you look back at that and you maybe want to put that wisdom into some of the younger heads. Uh, I guess moving forward, the coaching 
role is something that you're obviously trying to adapt. And I know you're, you're working that sort of uh, PT space as well, the strength and conditioning stuff. Um, so is, is, there a, is there an end goal? Do you want to get to, you know, doing the coaching at the NRL level, strength and conditioning at the NRL level, or is it just see what comes? Um, I really I enjoy the coaching. I think I, I, I've done the, you know, I work as a personal trainer and I've done the level two strength conditioning. It was quite difficult, but, um, you know, I've done the elite athlete wellbeing management program, which is a typical tool for the NRL run. So to be a, a wellbeing officer in the NRL, which means kind of job, you've got to have this, this qualification. So I've, I've achieved that as well. So I've kind of got that rounded approach. You know, with the strength and conditioning understanding and the well-being stuff, but you know, ultimately, I think I'd like to be the head coach or an assistant coach at a, at a high level. Um, I really enjoy that side of things. You know, the strength and conditioning, conditioning side of it is there's a lot of sports science goes on. And you know, to be quite honest, you know, the, the strength and conditioning is becoming more and more sports science, and it's you know, it's driven by that that way. And I don't have that level of education all the time to go and get a sports science degree. Um, to understand what half of these guys are talking about. So. But what it has given me is an understanding as to what is required in rugby league as far as the athletic development side of it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can keep catching pass as good as you like. You're not fit enough and strong enough to compete with the opposition. Well, it doesn't really matter. So it's finding that balance between what the coach needs and what the strength and conditioning coach needs. And so it's, um, it's really given me a, a balanced approach as to, to what I what I think is a coach is necessary in a footy side. And then also with the well-being stuff, it, you know, it's given me, you know, it's really moulded my approach as to how I address issues and uh, being really conscious of you know, what some of these young fellas that I was coaching just recently were dealing with at home, you know, some some of the, you know, back when I was growing up, some of the, my teammates' biggest critics were their parents, so they didn't need that from their coach, and a lot of it goes on still today, so, you know, there's no need for me to be a critic of some of these young players, because they're getting that at home also, so they don't need that. My approach needs to be a little bit different, and um, so, you know, all that sort of different avenues that I've sort of learned over the last few years has really changed my approach as a coach and probably to what I was used to growing up because some of the coaches I had growing up, it was, um, it was a fair bit of tough love there. Yeah, certainly. Uh, it's an interesting pathway you're embarking on, mate, and we wish you all the best with that. I guess to, to wrap up today's chat, we might just go through two last things. Uh, the first, I might, and we've touched on it a couple of times, if you could give two pieces of advice, whether it's to you know a younger yourself or to you know those kids that are coming through, sort of that 15, 16 age group which you're seeing, uh, you think it's probably crucial in their development. What are the two pieces of, of pieces of advice you'd give them now in regards to pursuing a career as a you know NRL player in the future? Um, well, I, I definitely think work hard was one. Nothing in rugby league, and I think Rick Stone said it to me years ago. Nothing good in rugby league. Anything good in rugby league comes off the back of a good preseason. So you got to get in. You got to work hard. Um, there's no two ways about it, unfortunately. You very rarely achieve anything in any sport by taking shortcuts. Uh, you just have to put your head down and work hard. And, you know, there's going to be some ups and downs and you're going to have to, going to, have to deal with it. Um, and I think have a plan B because I learned firsthand that things can go pear-shaped really quick. You know what I mean? So look, pay attention to skill, do all the right things and apply yourself to your sport because it can all be taken away from you, especially at a young age. Like the 16-year-olds that I was playing with that set the world on fire and never went on to play under 18. Definitely, first and foremost, if you want to play NRL, you got to work hard because there's too many, too many good footballers out there that are working hard. You know what I mean? You know, You've got to work hard and give yourself a chance because when your opportunity does arrive, you want to be able to grab it. You know, there's an old saying, don't pray for an opportunity. Pray you're ready for it when it arises. You know, you've got to give yourself that opportunity. You've got to be, you've got to be ready when they pop up. 
Yeah, it's certainly yeah. some some simple advice, but uh, yeah, I think it cuts the core of plenty of the guys that I've come across and talked to uh, in terms of what's been you know the key to their success. So some good advice there. And I guess just to wrap up, Abe's um, you know looking back at a career that as we touched on before, it expanded over twenty one years of senior footy, over three hundred senior games. You know you've had grand finals, grand final wins at both uh, Toronto and the Knights um, or Macquarie and the Knights. Uh, how do you reflect, I guess, on your career? It's one that's been, as you said, littered with ups and downs, plenty of downs with injuries, ups with those grand final wins. How do you reflect on those 21 years that have passed now? Yeah, it's interesting. I was only thinking about that the other day. I was thinking about this podcast, having a chat down, kind of talking to myself. You know, my footy career was funny. I, you know, I didn't take it serious probably soon enough. And then when I did finally take it serious, it kind of got taken away from me. I never really had the tools to manage the, you know, the downturn. You know what I mean? My idea of you know, dealing with the ups and downs, the emotional um, letdown that went on with the injuries and uh, injuries and injuries is uh, to go and sit at a pub and have a beer and stick my head to stand every time it's not happening. It's you know, only contributed to the fact that so, mate, I, I, it's kind of funny. I reflect on it. Like, I played 100 games and you know, I had to work hard for it. And, um, you know, it, was, it was a wonderful career. I won NRL comps, played alongside two immortals, and it's a really good signs. I really ticked some boxes. I you know, played some great football and that. That was great. But I also a little bit. Um, disappointed in how it was probably cut short and how I handled it after it was cut short. You know, so it's, it's kind of mixed emotions in my regular career when I look back on it. But you know, I, I guess the ups and downs, you know, the highs and the lows that I've dealt with, I think have put me in good stead for some coaching in the future with some young folks and you know, working with athletes because a lot of the stuff that they're going to experience, you know, I had to go through. So yeah, it's, it's mixed emotions there. You know, when I think about my career, because I feel as you know, what could I achieve? You know, had I done some things different? Had I made some different decisions, but then you know, I wouldn't be sitting in there having this conversation with you at all. So you know, then I look back and think about you know, playing in front of 90-something thousand people down Stadium Australia in the 2001 Grand Final. So you know, there's, there's mixed emotions there with you know, plenty of highs, plenty of lows. So that's why we play the game, isn't it? it certainly is. Uh, plenty of ups and downs, as you say. You know, certainly from my point of view, I think it's a career that um, any any young guy would be very happy to have a career that spanned as long and as many games as you have, especially with some of those highs, mate. So, um, yeah, I guess congrats on what's been a good career. We look forward to seeing what you can do uh, uh, in terms of the coaching arena and uh, I'm sure we'll see plenty more and of you around the traps with the, the local league and the Knights Juniors. So thanks again for your time today and uh, we'll uh, undoubtedly talk to you again soon. No worries, mate. I appreciate the chat. Thanks, Abes. See you, mate. That was, of course, Newcastle Knights and North Queensland Cowboys former player Daniel Abraham uh, talking all things his career, a career that's been so impressive over 21 seasons, more than 350 senior games, an NRL premiership, a Newcastle Rugby League premiership to his name. Uh, we thank A's for his time and uh, we thank our sponsors, Newey Threads, for bringing this to you and uh, look forward to coming back to you soon with some more uh, episodes of our regular podcast as well as more of the League Castle Legends. Thanks for tuning in. Daniel Abraham in his last ever game of Rugby League ever will have the chance to send this right between the black dot and send him out not just as a victorious premiership winner but a fantastic goal kicker.